I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 8 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to tell you about Thomas Jefferson and James Madison's plan to stop unconstitutional acts. Today on Thoughts from Meharry Head, we're going to delve into a little bit of history. Now let me start with a question for you. How do we stop the federal government when it violates the Constitution? I mean, we've protested, petitioned, and called our reps, and they ignored us. We tried voting the bums out, only to end up with a different group of bums. The federal employees staffing the federal courts consistently ignore the original meaning of the Constitution and expand federal power. The truth is, we cannot count on Washington, D.C. to limit its own power. But James Madison and Thomas Jefferson gave us a blueprint to follow. Use the power of the states to nullify unconstitutional federal acts. In 1798, Jefferson and Madison penned the Kentucky and Virginia Resolutions, formally articulating the principles of nullification for the very first time. But the resolutions weren't the end of the story. In fact, they were intended as a starting point. During the summer of 1798, Congress passed four laws, together known as the Alien and Sedition Acts. These laws violated several constitutional provisions and represented a gross federal usurpation of power. The first three laws dealt with the treatment of resident aliens. The Alien Friends Act gave the president sweeping power to deport dangerous aliens, in effect elevating the president to the role of judge, jury, and executioner. The Alien Enemies Act allowed for the arrest, imprisonment, and deportation of any male citizen of a nation at war with the U.S., even without any evidence that he was an actual threat. These laws unconstitutionally vested judicial powers in the executive branch and denied the accused due process. The most insidious of the laws was the Sedition Act. It essentially criminalized criticism of the federal government, a blatant violation of the First Amendment. Recognizing the Alien and Sedition Acts represented a serious threat to the constitutional system, Jefferson and Madison turned to the states. Jefferson drafted the Kentucky Resolutions, and the Kentucky legislature passed a revised version on November 10, 1798. 
asserting that, quote, the several states composing the United States of America are not united on the principle of unlimited submission to their general government, unquote. Jefferson made the case that nullification was the proper response to deal with unconstitutional acts. In fact, he said nullification is the rightful remedy. Just one week later, Jefferson sent a draft of his resolutions to Madison, along with a letter. Jefferson wrote, I enclose you a copy of the draught of the Kentucky Resolves. I think we should distinctly affirm all the important principles they contain so as to hold to that ground in the future and leave the matter in such a train as that we may not be committed absolutely to push the matter to extremities and yet may be free to push as far as events will render prudent. On December 24, 1798, the Virginia Senate passed resolutions penned by Madison, further asserting not only the right, but the duty for states to step in and stop unconstitutional actions. Opponents of nullification, like Matthew Spaulding over at the Heritage Foundation, will tell you that the two founding fathers didn't really mean for the states to take action against the federal government. He calls the resolutions a protest. In a way, opponents are right. The Kentucky and Virginia resolutions didn't actually nullify the Alien and Sedition Acts, but they did lay out the principles of nullification. And correspondence between Jefferson and Madison indicate they didn't plan to stop with the resolutions. They hoped to use them as a springboard for state action against the unconstitutional Alien and Sedition Acts. Interestingly, we only know of a few letters between the two men during this time period. One would think they would have corresponded frequently to coordinate their strategy. But Madison and Jefferson both faced possible arrest for criticizing the Alien and Sedition Acts and the Federalist Party that was in power. The Sedition Act was enforced. More than two dozen people were arrested. Madison indicated in a letter to Jefferson dated November 22, 1799, that he didn't trust the mail. Madison wrote, Some late circumstances change considerably the aspect of our situation and must affect the line of conduct to be observed. I regret it the more, too, because from the commencement of the ensuing session, I shall trust the post offices with nothing confidential, persuaded that during the ensuing 12 months, they will lend their inquisitorial aid to furnish matter for new slanders. I shall send you as usual printed communications without saying anything confidential on them. You will, of course, understand the cause. Despite their caution, we do have one letter from Jefferson to Madison dated August 23, 1799, and it gives us some keen insight into their strategy. As opponents of nullification are quick to point out, the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions were not very well received by the other states. This isn't surprising because most states were controlled by the Federalist Party, the guys who brought you the Alien and Sedition Acts in the first place. Despite what people like Matthew Spaulding would have you believe, this wasn't some principled constitutional stand. It was pure party politics. Several states actually passed resolutions of their own condemning Kentucky and Virginia. In this letter to Madison, Jefferson said the opposition should not go unanswered. He wrote, I will in the meantime give you my ideas to reflect on, that the principles already advanced by Virginia and Kentucky are not to be yielded in silence. I presume we all agree. Jefferson then goes on to specify three steps that he thinks they should take. 
First, Jefferson advises that they should answer the objections. It seems clear from his tone that he feels confident that their reasoning will win the day. Second, Jefferson says they should make it clear that they believe the federal government has overstepped its authority. Quote, make a firm protestation against the principles and the precedent, he wrote. He infers that by forcefully making their case, they will clear the path so that, quote, we may hereafter do what we might now rightfully do whenever repetitions of these and other violations shall make it evident that the federal government, disregarding the limitations of the federal compact, mean to exercise powers over us which we have never assented, end quote. Jefferson doesn't specify what exactly these actions might entail. But based on the resolutions, it follows that they would involve actively blocking unconstitutional acts. Finally, Jefferson advised taking a conciliatory tone, affirming their commitment to the Union, their patience, and their confidence that the American people will rally to their cause. In fact, this was the ultimate outcome. The people swept the Federalist Party out of power in the 1800 elections, and Jefferson became president. That was effectively the end of the Alien and Sedition Acts. And for all practical purposes, it was the end of the Federalist Party. But Jefferson made one more point in his letter to Madison, and it demonstrates just how far he was willing to go to fight federal usurpation. Jefferson suggested that secession was an option in the last resort. Listen carefully to what he wrote. Fully confident that the good sense of the American people and their attachment to those very rights which we are now vindicating will, before it shall be too late, rally with us around the true principles of our federal compact, but determined, were we to be disappointed in this, to sever ourselves from that union we so much value, rather than give up the rights of self-government which we have reserved and in which alone we see liberty, safety, and happiness. From this correspondence, it becomes clear that the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions were intended to set the stage for aggressive action at the state level, up to and including leaving the Union. The resolutions were obviously not just a call for the states to protest or to pursue change in the courts or to vote the bums out. They were meant to open the door for assertive state action to stop the exercise of undelegated power. The Kentucky and Virginia resolutions offer us a framework to deal with federal overreach today. The states were always intended to put a check on federal power. Madison even provided a practical blueprint in Federalist 46, before the Constitution was even ratified, advising that states refuse to cooperate with officers of the Union whenever the federal government commits unwarrantable acts, or even just unpopular acts. Think about what Jefferson and Madison did. They risked possible imprisonment to fight for liberty. They were willing to leave the Union rather than give up their freedoms and allow the federal government to trample on their rights. What will you risk? Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. I really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast over at iTunes. Feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. That's michael.meharry, M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y, at 10thamendmentcenter.com. 
Thank you again for tuning in and have a great week.